Hi there and welcome to the latest episode of Attitude Makeover. My guest for the day is the incredible Raja Chidambaram, a change in leadership enabler, a man who has been helping organizations and people transform and stay ahead of the curve for the last 24 plus years. Pivoting from a family business into a journey of self-discovery, he tapped into a niche area that may have been a path less taken back then, but is everyone's lookout today. He has worked with more than 120 plus clients from various industries to deliver very customized high impact change and leadership solutions. The highlight of the conversation is to understand mental models and how they can become enablers in disabling beliefs and how it influences our very being. We'll delve deeper into the nuances of the why, what and how of the mental model structure. And in this process we go into an individual's mindset to see how this could make a complete change in the way you interact with yourself with the team and in an organization this is a life skill that you cannot miss while touching upon the core beliefs he operates from we get talking about how purpose is most likely to be stable while vision is always contextual and more on perception building validating assumptions and understanding the dynamics in human systems for able leadership change that's inclusive and sustainable does not happen overnight everyone is biased in many ways across the spectrum are we willing to see it as it exists Raja's insights will make you deeply reflect on the same. If you are curious, I'm willing to tap into the power and practice of mental models and open your mind to the whole world of a big picture possibility. This conversation is one you absolutely cannot miss. As always, I hope you like this conversation. Do please share, like and subscribe to Attitude Makeover. Thank you again for listening. So I wanted to start off with by the way I loved I think I told you this earlier so your website really speaks for what we just spoke about the finer details of how do you measure outcomes from your thing from your uh, work itself right and uh, it's very clear it's very crisp as to what you stand for what are some things that you have to offer what you believe in um for my audience which is mostly career professionals if you can quickly talk about who is raja chitambaram what do you stand for what are some of the beliefs and why have you chosen this path so who is raja chitambaram i don't know okay <laughs> so tough one no? yeah so uh the path i chose is initially it was not a chosen path i did my bsc in physics but i got introduced to transaction analysis when i was 20 so then next six years i was in a trip i was in family business with my father and i was in a trip of wanting to know myself better so went through quite a bit of things and then that took me into a career where no before even career i worked after that i came to bangalore and worked in three companies in the span of only 3 months 
in three months one year three months oh one year three months so okay. <laughs> and uh, and all this were senior position those days and re- so what i realized was i'm unfit for formal systems so that's what i realized so so 25 and a half i became a consultant with a group of consultants based in bangalore and chennai hmm. so that's how the whole thing started and yeah those days it was tough i started in chennai i remember i left bangalore and went to chennai since i didn't have gray hair i remember my first meeting was with the executive director of indian oil hmm. it was a one hour meeting uh, he interviewed me for one hour 15 minutes <laughs> then i have to ask him now will you give me my one hour so that's how it started but so in some sense i floated into it but probably the i uh, i think uh, what made it very strong is after my father died when i was 29 um there is this whole thing came to me that my purpose is to churn myself and create knowledge and wisdom for the goodness of the world so so now it is yeah 24 years so that in some sense has stayed as a core purpose and that's why i do the work and uh, the difference between uh, prob- i don't i can't call it difference at least what is that i don't do is i don't do any one off workshops or training because i believe change takes time and habit formation takes time so anything i do is four months to sometimes organizational change for six years i have done so so that's six years six years yeah that needs committed clients mm-hmm. so so i was lucky enough to have those kind of organizations and and what kind of trainings so basically what i do is more in the space of behavior and leadership so and uh, currently any work i do would be people who are in the middle level of organizations or seniors mm-hmm. so the so in terms of leadership i do two things one is coaching which is one on one which is usually because of the pricing it is done for senior people mm-hmm. and whereas leadership training can be for anybody from first time manager to the cxos so there it's a group of people and there is a clear objective right so for example i do something called on becoming a trusted advisor so this is basically a 15 session two and a half hour session mm-hmm. the core is how do i improve my how do i improve my relationship with my stakeholders and become a trusted advisor mm-hmm. then i do something called on leading people so there it is people managers who come and then look at a series of things and it's also customized for the client it's not you know i have Unsized this scenario it doesn't work because yeah. the culture is different yeah. like since i'm talking about for example certain organizations if you go and prescribe they won't like it you know and there are organizations they say okay tell me what to do mm. right so so those are things i have understood now and then do what is relevant for them so today we chose to go into the uh, mental model in detail literally go into the what why and the how because while there are a lot of books that talk about the what and why thank you for introducing me to the book 
itself. It was a very interesting one and it really helped me practice some of this as well. Um, so it's probably a half-baked person going to sit and talk to you today. So I want to give you a heads up <laughs> about that as well. Uh, but I think we have to start, if I have to really walk through the journey of reading the book and the journey of really putting some of those into practice, it starts with really wanting to learn, having a greater purpose, and then internalizing. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about the mental model? Why the bigger picture of it? Um, how does one start? Okay. So mental models uh, as a concept uh, has been there for a reasonable time. And I forgot the name of the person. He's known as the father of uh, organizational learning. Ah, Chris Argyris. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So he's the one who actually coined this word mental models. And um, But it became very famous because of this book called The Fifth Discipline yeah. by Peter Singer. So the whole book is a very interesting... It's a book which is difficult to read. And... Uh, the whole concept is, it talks about many companies which were Fortune 500 companies died within 40 years. So the whole thing is, the decay and death of an organization is because they are not learning. And this learning is not about doing training programs. It's about learning to adapt to the change that happens around them. So that's basically what it is. So the... If you read the book, there are seven learning disabilities beautifully coded. And there are five learning disciplines which are antidotes to this. Mm. So which means if you have people in your organization who have, I don't know whether they'll ever master any of these disciplines, but practice these disciplines, then the chance that the organizational systems becomes a learning system. Mm. So that's how it is. Mm. So the first one is personal mastery, which is about... Each individual knowing what their true aspiration or vision or purpose is. And then working towards it. And then mental models is about knowing our own assumptions and beliefs and generalizations. What happens inside our brain and how does it affect us. And then you have shared vision, which is you have... A system and then people together say okay what is our shared aspiration right so that's the third one and the fourth one is team learning which is what probably is still not well understood so team learning is about dialogue hmm. so it is not about team working team learning is learning about how are we working as a team so that is the fourth one and the last one is that's why it's called the fifth discipline. It's the fifth one, systems thinking, hmm. which helps us to understand complexity. So, so, so in some sense, if an organ, the belief is in the model is if all this five, if you are able to practice as an organization, there is a chance that you may the organization may live longer. Because you're adaptable, you're yeah. able to actually. You're flexible, you're yeah. able to maneuver through that as one organization yeah. on a common vision. Yeah. And you have a holistic perspective with the system thinking, yeah. plus you've internalized. Yeah. And I don't know, my personal opinion, I call Fifth Discipline my Bible to my change work. Hmm. I have never found any other model 
that is very holistic because the classical OD will talk about only people, hmm. right? Then you go to certain, so if you look at people process technology, all three have to change for sustainable change. But classical OD only will talk about people, whereas you go to BPR and some of this process change, they will talk about only process. Whereas this is far more integrated as a model, yeah. but very difficult to work with. So, <laughs> yeah, so that has been my... So, where does one start, Raja? I mean, there are two ways of looking at it. One is we can look at it from an organization perspective, but I thought we can center it on an individual and then slowly, gradually yeah. scale it to an organization, if you're okay with that as a yeah. uh, path. So if I were to start on this journey, um, do I start with the bigger picture of what's happening to the world and how I fit in there? And then thereby then go through these five disciplines to discover what is this, uh, what is the bigger purpose or vision I've got? What are some of my mental models? Uh, what are some of my personal traits or the rubber band part of it? Um, how, how do I go about starting? So, if I look at, you know, recently I'm also part of this, uh, you know, I was part of a program called Ecosystem Leadership Program two years back. It was run by Presencing Institute. So they have this definition of intention which says that intention is not something that you impose on this world. Hmm. It emerges through you because something, somebody wants you, right? So in some sense, it is they talk about ego versus eco, right? So the whole, if you look at, if my purpose is egocentric, which is I want to make money, I want to be a better person, then it is in some sense narcissistic. Right. So whereas now more and more work is coming from saying that, okay, what is that? How can I be of service to something or somebody? Hence, my purpose becomes that. Hmm. So that's where, so if you ask me personally in fifth discipline, the first place to start is to clarify one's own purpose and vision. Hmm. And the key thing is it is never permanent. Okay. So probably purpose should once you get it it never changes but vision is so contextual it can go on changing so it is it's not one time thing so in some sense that's where you start but the key my understanding is mental models affects everything hmm. if you look at if my mental model about myself is I'm incapable or I'm no good or I am not capable of doing certain things or I am powerless, I don't know, or I am powerless to make a big change in this world, whatever, right? So if my mental model is stuck, then what I see also is going to be based on my mental model. So personal mastery and mental models, in some sense system thinking is also there. If you can't see the system, you can't think about it. So it's not one over the other, but if you ask me personally, I would look at anybody who wants to work with the fifth discipline. I would say start with mental models. Got you. Because it's the I won't call it simplest, but that's that in, enhances your level of self knowing, mm. which is needed to work with all the five. All systems. of them. Yeah. 
makes sense as well because otherwise I'm actually grabbing a whole lot of things and I already have a certain belief yeah. system and a model yeah. and so I might write off some of these yeah. as well. But when I start internalizing and then come with a better perspective of who I am yeah. to look at this, it really then sort of, it's like musical, mm. it comes together yeah. kind of a thing. True. So let's go a little more into why at this point things are changing organizationally, world is changing very drastically at a very fast pace. Are there other things similar to mental model? Why mental model, first of all? So, see, mental models, you can call it as our beliefs, mm. our attitudes, our the glass we wear to see the world, the filters with which we see people, things and everything. So, if you really look at um, what I perceive, right, of a person or a concept or a reality is colored by my mental models. Okay, so in some sense, mental models are like my colored glasses. Okay, so let's take an example, right? So if you look at in India, when suppose I tell you a Punjabi is, or a Tamilian is, or a Malayali is, or a person from Bihar is, immediately you get certain adjectives in your brain, right? This is because, for example, I have never gone into Bihar, okay? Or I have never gone to Pakistan, okay? But the moment that somebody says Pakistani, then I have words and associations, right? So, suppose I first time meet a Pakistani, these words are going to influence the way I see that person, the way I am going to behave with this person and the kind of decisions I will make in those moments. So in some sense, the way I see, the way I behave, the way I decide, everything is governed by our mental models. So, and they are very gripping. It also goes to, in a lot of ways, like when growing up, parents, yeah. uh, at least in our generation, parents used to say like, you know, you're useless, mm -hmm. you, you don't know maths, you're... Mm -hmm. And then we sort of add yeah. examples or scenarios or to validate that to say, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm not good at it. To a point where like I realized when after I went through this, that I, I keep saying I'm a very shy, introvertish mm -hmm. person. Whereas in reality, it's not really that. Yeah. There are nuances of certain things but it's not really that. So it really opens up your mind to understand the reality of it to our earlier question of who are you? Like who is yeah. Raja or who is Saujanya? Am I getting it right? Yeah. See, for example, what you said is very interesting. I can talk about a few things. One, I think, is uh, since you talked about school, right? So I remember, I think I was in sixth standard. And there was this drawing teacher who told me, for nuts, you can draw. Okay. <laughs> so, so, simple is uh, probably I was a topper in every other subject. But I would put so less effort in drawing. anything to do with drawing. Because I believe anyway it's a waste, right? And I'm never going to be good, right? 
And this is also called what, uh, there's a concept called Pygmalion effect, right? What parents or adults want the children to be, they actually become. Yeah. So that's the power of mental mode. So, but I can't blame that person. Okay. So finally, see, the interesting thing is that person says, for nuts, you can draw. As a child, I could have taken a stance of saying, I'm going to prove to you I'm good. Then probably my mental model today, or I might have become a painter. Who knows, right? <laughs> so, so the key is mental model is actually created by myself. It's a self-generated thing, okay? The other thing I can give you as an example is I studied in this uh, school from the age of 8 to 15, which was... It was a regimented Ramakrishnamshan school. And uh, so I am a person who, for example, for me, being late is a sin. It's nothing less than that. Okay. So I remember at one point of time I was reflecting, where did I where did I get it from? Because I used to work with a lot of a lot of German colleagues as consultants. But then what I realized is seven years, everything will happen by the minute. Okay. And if people came late, there was punishment. But I was not the one who got into punishment. But the thing is, seven years, without being told, everything worked by clock. Right? So in some sense, that becomes your belief. Yeah. So, so basically, see, mental models can become enabling beliefs or disabling beliefs. Yeah. There is nothing. For example, even, uh, let's say, uh, suppose time is sacrosanct, right? So it's a positive, positive-looking mental model. But the thing is, there are times if I went, I think twice in my life I have gone five minutes late into a client space. Hmm. First half an hour I was shivering with guilt. So even positive mental model can have negative effect, right? So it's not. The reason is mental models is like uh, it's. It's something that you tie yourself with. It's like you become convict to your belief, right? So that's what happens with mental models. But I can talk about something probably. Uh, mental models are not only related to work or life, right? So one mental model I can talk about about myself is... Um, say, uh, by the age of uh, six, my mother was not well. So I remember this. So she was almost going to a place of death kind of thing. And I remember uh, I went to visit her in the hospital. And, you know, those days, relatives told me that she became like this because of you being the naughtiest in this world. So whatever the intention is. So as a child, I thought, okay, so I have done this to my mother. She's there. She might die. If it is me, it's, it's me who is causing her death. So this is happening, say, six, six and a half. And then when I became eight, I was sent to the school where, uh, very interestingly, two disjointed experiences, okay? So I was told by people, listen, that's a school where people who have to be sent to jail for reformation <laughs> in childhood has to be sent. Uh, so now just look at these two information. As a child of eight, I have kind of processed it as... I am a person who is so bad who can kill my mother. Hence, I am sent to a jail 
and all this is fine but rest the beauty i have written is nobody will love me mm. i am not loved and i realized that i have this mental model only when i was through analysis with those days I had a wonderful analyst i suddenly realized that uh, i have lived with this mental model that i am not lovable for 30 years i was 38 so which means the choice of who i love so simple thing okay i can tell you uh, in my teens to till i found uh, till 30s i will go and choose a woman who will reject me Yeah. yeah i didn't choose okay it was it so was, unconscious yes. i went and chose women who rejected me and then even when people gave love i would call it respect not love right so after i realized this i actually went and had a conversation with my mother and my mother said in this world i love you more than myself but i didn't know that 30 years you lived with this myth yeah and now from 38 say even today have i come out of that mental model 100% i don't know but i have been able to work with it find so when you find a mental model the only way is to replace it with a new mental model right so i have to say i am lovable people love me all that but that doesn't that looks like frauding oneself initially okay? mm. <laughs> but then slowly when you do it it kind of seeps into your system yeah so this is how you know so the key when you look at mental models we have two kinds of mental models at least if i have to categorize mental model there are two hmm. one is what we think about ourselves second is what we think about the world hmm. both affects us but at least i believe what we think about ourselves affects us the most quieter yeah like i think recently i saw one i think ted talk um it talks about the inner talk right mm. so what we tell ourselves yes. yeah self talk so this lady says if you told what you are telling yourself inside your brain to somebody Child, yeah. that person will slap you yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so yeah. we say such nasty things to ourselves about ourselves so true so yeah. true raja there when you are explaining this um you talked about redefining the model right there's this whole common phrase that's used out there fake it till you make it yeah is that what it is see it will feel like it initially right see because let's say for example 30 years i believed i'm not lovable okay so now i have to tell myself i'm lovable and act it will look phony hmm. right see this is not only with mental model any change when you make right the initial part you yourself don't no, no. feel strong right and the joke is other people will be la- laughing at you saying that what happened to you also right so in some sense it is about faking but i wouldn't call it faking because faking is if you don't have conviction right mm. but you will try with 100% conviction see that's again a problem okay i have seen when you want to change mental model your intention that it will work the new one is going to work has to be high hmm. if not you will go and do things and prove to yourself the old one is right 
that means the driver for that change should also be that yeah. deep and meaningful for you yeah. it's not just like oh i need a new job and so i'm going to try this mm-hmm. it's a much bigger thing of maybe figuring out what is my value proposition mm-hmm. or who am i yeah. and that driver should sort of lead yeah. you uh, through these steps yeah, see I- even if you look at uh, now uh, i think everybody talks about personal branding right whether you are an entrepreneur or an, even a person inside a system now we talk about personal branding personal branding is if you look at any brand right brand, we work with brand values and then we say what brand identity then we say brand purpose right so defining those becomes very key for even self so for me to understand what are my mental models also clarifies like the question you asked who am i right mm. and what are my preferences and and like for example uh, like many people now like i think even the conversation with you right so you have become an entrepreneur from being a person who worked in a company if you have to run 40 years of your life as an entrepreneur you need something to hold you and anchor you yeah. and those are your purpose and your beliefs yeah. right so yeah. so that's that's where understanding mental model becomes very critical hmm. whether it's about myself or about others and now what are some of the import you you talked about seven uh disciplines within this hmm. um should we go into that or before that so the other thing i would want to talk about see i, I think i have spent too much time on the mental models about self hmm. right mental model about the other right hmm. like for example i have worked with companies or, you know or let's say for example i'm working with somebody mm. who might be my empl- reporty or a colleague suppose i have a mental model that this person is incompetent let's assume okay because that person did something in the first few days or whatever i believe this person is incompetent so then what do i do i will not give them critical tasks first because they might mess it up and then it will become a problem after giving the task i will micromanage them if they make a mistake probably i won't be supportive the way i will support a high performer right because in my mind anyway they are useless mm. so so what we do is also the way we our mental model influences the way we see people and what we do for example if if i have a power of being a manager and if i have a negative mental model about a person that this person is a waste or no good or incapable i will ensure end of the year that person is incapable and gets the lowest rating possible so many a time performance rating is not given at the end of the year it is given at the starting of the year in our minds Mind. and so, then everything is to justify that yeah so it's the same thing right uh, the kind of or even about our own children right so for example if i believe my son or daughter is not good in a subject then we overdo our preparation we push them to do more more to the level they get frustrated and then finally they say yeah i'm useless in this right so so the key here is the mental model we have about ourselves others 
also influence the way they may finally see themselves as well as the way where the relationship can go interaction action yeah. everything right yeah. so even for example um, when we have uh, mental models about certain communities of people right could be from a language perspective or a religious perspective or a nationality perspective that drives the way we relate as mm-hmm. well as we make decisions yeah. and that's what leads to biases discrimination violence you can name the rest yeah yeah and there are many powers out there to thereby use yeah. that as well yeah. in the whole process so raja one of the things when we talked you mentioned that when you're going through these um sessions i found that useful and that's why i'm bringing it up you ask people to think of three people yeah. because then this conversation has relevance you sort of constantly are going back to that uh, pegged personality uh, should we go that model so see one thing what i do is i tell people that uh, whenever you are thinking about uh, yeah in the series i will say okay choose three people or uh, three relationships right so which you want where you want to apply whatever you learn so usually i ask them to choose one person from home one who could be inside the organization right so it could be a peer or a reportee or a boss another person who could be a customer so it's in some sense not a 180 but it gives you a flavor of three different people and then i ask them to reflect and think about and even go and do actions only with those three people because then you can see the difference that happens hmm. yeah because hmm. I, i the reason i asked this is raja while the book was very complex the book is not an easy read the book actually made me go stop take a break come back so it was a very complex book and there are a lot of articles and medium in quite a lot of places about this but the how is not that simple yeah. and that's why i thought as we are going through this it's important to also understand how one mm. goes through this so that's why i just paused to ask yeah. you if it makes sense so should we go into the pillars of mental model where do we start so see for, for example um, i think uh, whoever is the audience right so at this point of time if they can pause it and write okay pick up three people and write one limiting mental model mm. right limiting mental model is a mental model that uh, either affects the performance or affects the relationship okay they can pick up three people and also the fourth person is oneself mm. and also write one more mental model i have about myself which is limiting me mm. it can be limiting me to be happy limiting me to be successful limiting in any form right if they can write and then probably whatever we talk about if they can go and try anything that works for them in the next two weeks or three weeks mm. they might find work got it yeah. so to give an example here limiting model could be one of the limiting things could be i want to have deeper meaningful conversations mm-hmm. with this asp- person that is more an aspiration huh. okay, so let's take an example i think i will give an example mm. so let's take uh, my son mm. okay so 
one negative mental model I have about him, even now, he knows about, is that uh, he cannot pay undivided attention. Okay? So that's the belief I have. So every time I talk to him, I'll say, look at my face and talk. Okay? <laughs> Don't do fiddling with your iPad. Okay, so... So that's a very, very strong one mental model, right? Because of which we get into fights, he gets irritated, I get irritated. So that is one example, right? And uh, suppose if I go from there to say work, I don't have, since I'm a self-employed. So let's take an example. Suppose I work with a client, right? So suppose in the previous contract, they paid me late. Okay, let's assume they paid me late or they tried, you know, negotiating with me very strong. So I have a belief that they are cheats. Hmm. Or they are cheats, they don't respect my capability. Whatever. Okay, so that's again a mental model which can be limiting in that relationship. Right? And then, like for example, there is a person who works with me now, uh, helps me. So one mental model I have about him which I have spoken to him quite a lot about this. He doesn't listen. <laughs> okay. So now, if I look at these three mental models, because of this, the way I say things, the way I behave, everything in that relationship, when that mental model kicks in, is predefined. Yeah. See, the key thing about mental models is, I think I, I didn't speak about it, but it's very important, is... When I have a mental model, I actually become powerless. Tell me more. So, when a strong mental model operates, my action is patterned, hmm. reflexive, compulsive. And repetitive as well. Yeah, that's why we call yeah, it patterns. patterns. Yeah. yeah. So, the example I give them is, you know, I, I, I have a lot of connection with Kerala, so... There we talk about people, you know, we say by six o'clock, the leg will walk towards study shop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call as a compulsive drunk. I was right? going to say, Deepam, Deepam comes out, but <laughs> you say study shop happens. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm saying is, so most of our habits are patterned, right? And even the value system we have makes us pattern, yeah. right? So, what it does is, see, for example, the moment a mental model kicks in, which is very strong, you are an autopilot. You have zero control. You don't really govern your actions. Yeah. We become, in some sense, like we say, you know, we become slaves to our own mental models. Yeah. And the joke is we created them. Yeah. So, we can do something about it. Yeah. 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 I think that's something... So the third one you said is compulsive. How does compulsive happen? See, typically when something you do repetitive, right? That it seeps into your body, mm. right? It is no more in the level of the brain. It's very unconscious. It becomes unconscious. So re repeat, then reflexive is also very similar, right? Mm. Reflexive action is something that is autonomous. Yeah, you have no control. You don't know. Mm. And typically in corporate, they will call it autopilot, right? Mm. So you are an autopilot. The moment that mental model comes, you will do exactly the same thing again and again and again. True. 
and the worst thing i have seen in relationship is finally they will go back and say you are always like this mm. right mm. but i i tell people in my session that don't tell that from tomorrow you tell them my mental model about you has not changed from this mm. because of that they might have become different mm. but because my mental model has not changed i am not seeing them in any different way yeah so it's about you there yeah. then it's not about the other yeah. person so the thing is basically when you work with mental models what you realize is what you create what you see and the miseries you go through everything is created by your own mental models so there is nothing outside yeah father did this my mother did this my family did this no every misery you create for yourself is clearly from your own mental models got it yeah got it so how do we start then where do we start is it first around inquiry or where does it really yeah. begin so see the first thing is mental models how do you recognize is we all have what is called inner talk right hmm. so when you kind of close your eyes and see i think the, i don't know there is a huge debate about in a day we have 36000 thoughts or 60000 thoughts right so that's the number of thoughts that runs in our mind right and if you really look at most of the thoughts are influenced by the past or their worries about the future fear or worries about the future right so one is can we see the thoughts that is coming in our mind hmm. right so basically if you look at it is called observing right how can i observe when i'm talking to you now if i am getting a mental model about you can i see it now hmm. yeah and that's what observing is and it's probably very difficult because this comes from an ability to be detached in the moment as well as attached in that moment right so i am able to see myself as an observer and it's a really higher order capability in terms of human evolution but the beauty is you the moment you i think there's this i think i told you about this right there is this principle in particle physics which says the moment you observe it changes hmm. so in my experience the moment i observe that i have a mental model about the person i'm dealing with if i see it actually i don't operate from that anymore can we take an example here like let's just take you and me itself yeah. when you walked in yeah. um, before that i had a certain perception yeah. and then when i saw you i think some bit of it was similar to what i had thought yeah. some bit was like oh sort yeah. of a thing right uh, is that a good starting point or yeah in some sense see for example what is it is very important the moment you saw me you are able to say hey this is what i thought this person would be now i am thinking this person is this right even that is in some sense you are observing what is happening inside your head right that is exactly observation is right and if you really look at most of the eastern meditation they will say observe your breathing observe your thought observe what is happening to your body observe your feelings right so the that i think is the core of the first practice called observing so there what you're also saying is when you observe 
it's not just observe the flow of thoughts it's also thereby observe how certain things are manifested yeah. as well yeah so typically see if you look at observation as such we have four different places from which we get information first is body right so when i'm observing suppose i'm let's say i get angry because of something right the first thing is if i can observe my body right all of us have pattern reaction even in body right when you get angry some of us will clench our fist and then you know body will become hot whatever right so first is to observe the body next is to observe the thought and the third is to observe the feelings and that is something i don't know most of us because of our education has become totally left brain we don't worry about feelings right there's an article i read ages back called feelings the real male terror <laughs> so that's what is coming to me so in some sense we get terrorized with feelings right and the last is then saying going to my gut and saying what is the belief i hold or what is my mental model that is making me think and behave in this way so there are multiple levels in which you can observe got and so the best way to really sit in this particular scenario that we just talked about is one was the physical or the external observation the other one is the internal, internal model that i associated it with and then going back to thereby what feelings it sort of generates was it pleasant was it like ah it's different or you know and thereby my act action would have been different as well and then the feeling bit of it as well yeah so see observation one of the ways you can develop as a skill is to the simplest is there is a meditation called open mind meditation okay? mm. it's, it's there in eastern traditions yeah so for example all that you do is you know for example simple thing i do is i ask people saying that visualize that your head is filled with white light right mm. intense white light before that i ask them to observe the breathing so mm. first observe the breathing mm. then observe your head as though there is white light filling your head and see each thought observing doesn't mean you see a thought and then start. usually what we do is we get a thought then we build on the thought we analyze the thought we judge the thought observing is seeing dropping hmm okay then the next thought will come hmm you see drop see drop see drop if you are able to do regularly might be you know observe breathing observe thought observe both together for 9 minutes regularly a day your ability to observe your mental model through the day in the moment can go very very high it's like going through a rack of clothes yeah. look move change yeah. don't do anything about it right so that's the key hmm. got it that's why it is observing this it's not acting <laughs> yeah. but that's hard right uh, it's very hard raja it's uh, very very hard <laughs> to observe in every situation i mean you can observe and probably you're at ease you're at a very nice comfortable uh, place mm. but to observe in every moment of moment life. of your day is like Start. a real and also to observe in really complex situations is even more difficult yeah, yeah. but that's where then reflection comes yeah. see the thing is you're not observing outside 
you know what is happening inside your head you are not observing something which is outside of you mm. right you are only seeing yourself but there we start frauding ourselves right so we don't <laughs> we don't want to see the truth so all that also happens got it but observing is see observing is difficult but the thing is easiest thing all of us can do is reflecting mm. okay mm. so reflecting can be raja before you go to reflecting now that i've written those three personas mm. right here when i've done this exercise mm. do i write down some of the things i've observed the so basically what i do is suppose we have taken the three right mm. so that's where i think going to reflecting also will help mm. so through the day when i'm doing this in the morning i just tell myself okay this is the three mental models i have about these three people i'm going to observe okay just frame it anchor it put the intention leave it end of the day come back and see what happened when you observed how many times it, those voices came or how many times those mental models came and what happened inside what happened to the body what happened to outside and did you act on it or did you so that whole reflection can help at the end of the day got it got it yeah. okay yeah. Uh, so now we are into reflection yeah so so basically observing is difficult because you are doing it in the moment hmm. in the here and now reflecting is you are doing it later after so like for example it's called, it's also called retrospective or whatever right so the easiest is to like for example spend 10 minutes a day end of the day you can journal it i better okay three questions what mental models helped me today what mental models messed up my life or work today what is one thing i'm going to do differently based on my awareness tomorrow right writing this will not take more than 7 8 minutes that is simple adequate i remember you know uh, those days when we i was young we used to buy daily diary and write right so so daily journal can be a easiest way to develop the skill of reflection because reflection and observing all of them means slowing down mm. because we are all running so we don't have space to slow down so that's why reflection can help and it's far more easier and more you practice reflection you also develop your observation right so, so that's how that would be the easiest route to even take so reflection is more you're jotting down your actions and thereby the reciprocation from the other end or you're just jotting down your actions i would say what writing down your mental models okay so for example what are the mental models that help me hmm. is about what thoughts i went through that helped me in certain situations through the day if somebody writes it for 21 days right you will start seeing patterns what mental models enables you will be repetitive what mental models are messing up you will be repetitive got it yeah so that's where the reflection really really helps and uh, today i know i don't know last week i was there in a client i we don't have 15 minutes a day for thinking about ourselves <laughs> which is true 
Yes. So all that I'm saying is reflecting is nothing but, you know, like for example, if you look at companies who work with Agile, right? Every retros, they have something called retrospective. After two weeks, they do a retrospective. So my question is, why can't you do a retrospective every day hmm. for 10 minutes or 15 minutes about your life? What went well? What yeah, was... even if you don't want to get into mental model thing, what went well, what did not go well, what is one thing I'm going to do differently? Yeah. Even that same three retrospective questions are okay. So, see, the thing is, if you look at uh, this whole model called adult learning cycle, right? Mm. Reflection is opposite to action. Mm. So, most of us now are into action, 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 action. action. So, reflection as a skill becomes difficult. Which is where when you earlier mentioned compulsion becomes part of this. Because we're not reflecting. We're just going and it's like calcification of uh, the brain Mm -hmm. in some ways. Right? Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. All right. So, from reflection. So, uh, see, there is one which is more connected to observing. It is called suspending. So this is probably the most tricky one. Is basically assuming that my mental model is like my colored glass, right? I recognize my colored glass. I remove it and then say, huh, can I see the other person or the reality now? Yeah. And that's a, in some sense mental gymnastics, right? So it's like having a magic, magic wand and saying, okay, this is my mental model. I am taking it out and putting it out there and seeing without that the situation of the person. And that's what is suspending. Does it also work instead of going with the analogy of colored glasses, instead of a black glass, I change my glass to like a yellow light or Mm -hmm. something. Because suspending, like you Mm -hmm. explained, is really difficult. Uh, But instead... Can I sort, which is what they say, put yourself in the other person's mm-hmm. shoes. So instead, can I sort of put another glass, to then it's easier said than yeah. done. But it's yeah, see, for example, this is what uh, many organizations will say, right? So can you look at it from the end customer perspective? Mm. Can you see it from the employee perspective? Mm. Can you see from the st- stakeholder, shareholder perspective, right? So when you see from different perspective, what you said is what you're doing. You're glass is green so you remove it and put an yellow glass then you put a red glass then suddenly realize when you wear each of this glass everything looks different but for me with seeing without glass is the toughest one and that's the beauty Mm. right Mm. see the thing is then you are not coloring the truth right you are seeing what really exists in the example we took of your kid um thing what is without glass over here so my without glass would be can i say that uh, my mental model is that he has uh, you know he doesn't pay attention right can i just remove my glass and say actually see what is happening without this color right then probably i will see something else the other is to put the positive frame like you said to say no my son is extremely attentive Mm. okay then i'll pick up data to prove he's attentive Mm. see that's the 
That's what brain does. It fools us. What we believe, we that's called reflexive loop. We choose data to prove to ourselves our mental models. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So you can change the glass or remove removing glass, as you say, is probably the most difficult of the practices. In this case, it might be easier, but in a complex scenario like it's, the it's pure one or the other one, uh, the stakeholder one, it's going to be a little more yeah. difficult. True. Because then yeah. you're almost uh, dealing with ambiguity. So what I do is, for example, suppose I go for a client meeting and I, <coughs> I feel that I have some negative mental models about a client because I have worked with them. What I do is I sit and write in a paper all the negative mental models I have about them. Hmm. And I also write about all the negative mental models I have about me in that context. I write it. Read it, tear it, put it in a dustbin and tell myself, next one hour I will not have this. And it works. It's a ritual of it's observing and suspending. It's also the writing. And also it's writing, yeah. not typing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because then that's when the registration yeah. happens as well. Simple ritual, it works. Even in very difficult relationships where I say, okay, I have to drop it, it has worked magic. So this this requires you to it's a discipline yeah. the art of learning as it is is very difficult the art of learning your mind and how your mind works and then going through this process requires a lot more discipline yeah. and diligence from your end yeah mental models is called a learning discipline so mm. so it's a discipline yeah and it's a lifelong journey yeah yeah, yeah. i feel so far in the three that you talked raja Suspending seems to be the really toughest really one. Tough one yeah. Because it's very hard. You first need to know your biases. Mm. You first need to know some of these things. Sometimes we don't even know how our body uh, expressions are. Or what are things mm. that we are, are the unspoken bit. We don't know because there are no cameras. But so also I think today, sorry. Today in most organizations we are paid for our opinions, right? which is what we call as wisdom and intelligence. <laughs> so, not having a mental model means having no thought in our brain and going empty. It is scary. Right? Yeah. And we are trained to think more, more, more and form opinions about things. So. I almost can see one... One scenario, and I, I, I've been in these scenarios. Um, like I told you earlier, my career has been like, you know, uh, different industries, different profiles, job profiles. So I took up sales as a fag in. Right? I've never done sales. But I've worked with sellers who've been expert sellers for years. Mm -hmm. And so they have a, there's a lot of things that they come with, like focus and understanding numbers. They know the customers at the tip of their fingers. Mm -hmm. A lot of things and, you know, whereas when you come from an outside world, not from that space, it's clean slate. Mm. But you True. come with a baggage of other spaces that yes. you carry. Yeah. And so yeah. you have to get rid of that. To yeah. draw the analogy here, you have to get rid of that yeah. and put in this new canvas yeah. itself. And that's when you start the new art piece. Yeah, what you said is true. See, uh, I, I think you used a simple, nice word. 
mental models the mental models we have are the baggages of our past mm. okay <laughs> the rights and wrongs and the good and the bad and and so we are all carrying our bags how can we shed our baggage yeah is difficult yeah got it yeah. all right so we've we've gone from um observing reflecting, reflecting and, and suspending yeah. so the next one is advocacy okay advocacy is uh, making my mental model visible to the other person okay mm. so for example let's say this can work very well even in a meeting suppose let's say i am proposing a solution in a meeting right so so there is this whole concept called ladder of inference i am not yes. getting into it but for example suppose i am proposing a solution then if you look at many times in meetings one person proposes one another person proposes something opposite and they are only talking why they are not just doing anything more than that they are fighting at that level right so what is advocacy is i say okay this is my proposal these are my assumptions these are my beliefs and this is my data hmm i am willing to really show what my thinking process has been hmm. and while doing this i am willing to be challenged hmm okay so that is what advocacy is all about so if there are two people i have seen when i have facilitated meetings where there is conflict i ask people to say okay you write down you go to one side of the wall write down your position and what are your assumptions right so they write and i take the other side and then they say okay your position and write and i can tell you i have done it many times at the end of it i'll ask them to go and see each other's board 70% will be said hmm. so then i ask them what were you fighting about right so the whole question is since we are not looking at what are the assumptions and beliefs and data we are fighting at the level of position right so that is where advocacy really helps in terms of and advocacy also helps you to understand the way the other person is thinking right so it kind of builds empathy for the other person hmm. so that's what is advocacy and this is very easy but at the same time can be difficult yeah in a conflict situation to go on say this is the mental model i have about you and this is my data of last 20 years can be <laughs> challenge yeah. so to go to the analogy that you just talked about i think um i read this in some i one of the contents that i was looking at was imagine a room where you're making a presentation there are 10 people seven are listening to you nodding their heads uh, they're with you but three are like you know sort of distracted not really interested there are the ladder that you just talk about it goes from observation to action yeah. or yeah right mm. and then middle process of how this then maps to your model mm. the belief mm. and the feeling and thereby how you yeah. act 
and even prioritize or look at that person or engage with that person or the, post that like do i share some of this material with him everything yeah. is decided by the first and the last yeah. rung of the ladder but in your head all of this has happened can you give another example of this okay so i will give my usual example um it so ladder of inference is also called leaps of abstraction okay because it just happens in no time okay so and these are like what exactly yeah, it, 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 it doesn't take more than 10 seconds or 15 seconds so i'm just giving a story because the story will help so this is a story from i think early 90s this is the first time i'm traveling to chennai from kerala so i land up in chennai central station and i'm walking out and then i see this person with a yellow auto and khaki dress and i ask him i have to go to adiyar and he says yeah come and i said how do i pay you because i have come from places where there is no meter mm. so he said this is a meter i said oh what meter you pay whatever i said fine so then beautiful drive you know early morning and that whole part of beach road those mm. days it was not dirty so mm. and then i like having conversation with this kind of you know auto drivers and typically people who are drivers and maids and all to understand their life so i majorly got into a conversation asked him about what time he came and how many children then he talked about he had three daughters and i told him you know you have to focus on educating your daughters wonderful 35 minute conversation he came dropped me exactly in, in the campus where i have to go and then he, uh, i asked him how much do i pay you he said look at the meter and pay it was 72 rupees so i paid 75 rupees then he even carried the luggage and took it next to the lift so i went up and i'm having tea with my friend and he asked me okay how did you come i came out how much did you pay i said 75 rupees i remember even now I, he literally sat he just jumped off the chair and said you idiot okay idiot i thought i thought it was like meter it's a good friend <laughs> yeah. okay very good friend and he's a you know very sensitive good friend he said you idiot 14 kilometers 2 and 1/2 rupees is 35 rupees you have paid more than double now this is if you look at all this is my entire experience mm. right so now the first thing that happens in the rung is what we call a selective perception mm. i select data so now this one hour whatever happened the data i have chosen is i saw the meter it was 75 i 72 i paid 75 and my friend says it is 35 the rest of beautiful journey and the conversation with that person is forgotten gone okay so that is what i do next is i go to the next level where it is called adding my beliefs right so already i have certain beliefs from my social perspective and my personal perspective that i start adding to this experience okay so for example i remember very vividly speaking to my friend that's the reason i share this as an example even though it's absolutely crazy one i remember telling that you know my father and i are in business my father tells that if you cheat your customer it will go money will go to court or pol- police or hospital okay? <laughs> we don't cheat customers okay? that's my personal belief 
then i talk about i go to this place called kottayam in kerala where if it is 7 rupees the 3 rupees will be given back okay so i'm talking about what is cheating not cheating what is fair so i'm adding to that experience then i remember that's the worst okay so i remember saying probably this might be this guy might be a drunkard or a womanizer that's why he is overcharging okay. <laughs> now i am assuming about the other person He, right yeah so it's almost like slowly making a ghost in my brain about that person okay so from the selected data first of all i don't perceive the full data i select data then i add my own beliefs then i add assumptions then i form a conclusion so i form a conclusion that uh, this fellow is cheat whatever womanizer all that it doesn't stop there so then i form a mental model about the world the mental model i formed was all auto drivers in chennai central are all car frauds okay. <laughs> so next years after years when i remember next time i came with lot of luggage lugging it out i saw yellow vehicle with the khaki dress i can see only cheat that's exactly what it does it's called reflexive loop second time you choose data which is only in line with your mental model and you negate everything yeah but the thing is see i, I did it with the auto driver but we do this with people who are so important to us but raja there i'm i'm going to probe a little more there are two types or there probably more but extremes right black and white there are two types one is who really trust somebody the first time they meet the other is who doesn't trust and then you start earning the trust now in this particular situation you're going from that extreme right which is i trusted this guy it was a lovely conversation to you completely went to this side now there are mental models already in people where you already are the trusting kind the first time and you sort of tighten the rope mm. as experiences come or the other kind where it's tight and i start leaving it as the trust is earned see there is no right or wrong according to me because it starts from where you come from mm. right so so for example if you look at uh, uh, there is this uh, model called eric erickson models of uh, eight stages of man's life right so it talks about your human life has eight different stages okay so the first stage is called conflict between trust and mistrust yeah. trust versus mistrust so what it says is a decently early childhood either we choose to trust or we choose to mistrust mm. and that i don't know whether in one day we will change it yeah. so for example if you look at there are people who will essentially mistrust everybody right we have seen it and there are people who will be gullible <laughs> lifetime will be cheated by everybody still will start with blind trust yeah so there is sometimes it is not a choice right that is so deep but you can change it if you really want but the issue is there is no right or wrong right so who you are is who you are to your earlier example of for a long time you went looking for women hmm. who were really not yeah <laughs> it it sort of comes back to that as well right yeah, yeah. in in a lot of ways no this is this is very helpful for me at least and yeah. how are you going through this <laughs> this thing very pain lot i did 
All right. So now we've got. But the the first one, which is the internalizing, observing, goes hand in hand with advocacy. But yeah. between that, so, there is the so whole. So if you really look at uh, the first book Peter wrote. Hmm. He didn't talk about observing, suspending, listening and respecting. He talked about reflecting, advocacy and inquiry. Correct. Okay. Correct. Reflection and advocacy and inquiry. Those are the first three. So first is I reflect, I advocate. Next is inquiry where if I have to understand why you are behaving in a certain way or why you are proposing something, then I have to ask you to walk me down the ladder of inference, right? What is your proposal? Okay. What are your assumptions? What are your beliefs? What is your data? Hmm. So that makes me understand your worldview. Hmm. So in some sense, even if you leave observing and all those woolly-woolly stuff, if you can reflect, if you can advocate, and if you can inquire into other people's proposals and decisions i think it works well so advocacy here in this in your son's example would be probably that ha huh, when i was observing him mm. i found that he is putting the effort mm. and i'm probably just imagining this whole mm. scenario but he is putting the effort maybe i'm adding some pressure over here mm. that's my assumption so you're sort of observing the actions, the uh, impact that it causes, and also how you're contributing to it with facts, beliefs, mm. as well as the observations yeah. to then validate with the other person when you go into inquiry to say, this mm. is my hypothesis. This is what yeah. I've understood. Are we on the same page here? See, sometimes you may not be. Right. So, see, for example, in the case of my son, then first thing I will talk, I have to, advocacy is about walking up the ladder, right? So, mm. I will say, okay, yesterday or now, mm. when you are speaking to me, mm. this is what you were doing, which is data, right? Mm. You were looking there, you were looking here, you are doing all oh, this, son. whatever, whatever, right? So, that is my data. Then I say, my belief is, my, my belief is, not paying attention is disrespectful. Not paying attention means disinterest. These are my beliefs, right? I am a very over-focused kind of a person. So I then I say, this is my data. These are my beliefs. And these are what I am assuming. I am thinking that it is disinteresting for him. Hmm. I am think I am assuming about him, right? Hmm. And then say, this is the mental model I have formed, right? So I say this, right? So this is my advocacy. Then I will ask him, okay, say, so what is... Can you tell me when you are behaving this way, can you walk me through down your, your ladder? Walk down. Your ladder. Hmm. Why are you behaving this way? Hmm. What are your assumptions? What are your beliefs? What is your data? Now, in this case, this is a good case because your son is a young hmm. kid. Hmm. And this could be someone who's not... You are probably a practitioner. You're going through this journey and you're sort of figuring this out. And your son is not aware of mental models. He is. He's 19, so... Oh, okay. Then let me take my daughter. <laughs> I don't think my daughter is. But she does um, 
you know, I, I, I see this happening in yeah. my house when we do homework mm. and, you know, there mm. are subjects where this is the same behavior and there is the same banter that mm. goes back and forth okay. is, uh, you're always on the phone, mm. you're mm. not really interested in this. So, but she doesn't get this ladder of inference yeah. and things like that. Now, when you go through a dialogue of this kind where you're consciously looking at this, but the other person is not aware of this structure, this framework, how do you enable that conversation for so, them to walk see, down this ladder? Inquiry is about having good questions, right? So mm. Inquiry, will, I jokingly say, inquiry will become enquiry if you become aggressive. So first of all, even in inquiry, mm. when I'm asking you, I'm willing to be influenced by what you say. I love that bit. Inquiry becomes inquiry. Yeah. Inquiry. yeah. But the language, the aggression, especially I'm the parent, right? So I, I sit in the powerhouse. So, so, so for example, suppose, you know, if like you say, okay, no, I'm seeing that last one hour, right? You have been, uh, you might say distracted, whatever, right? I'm seeing this and I'm worried that probably you will not be able to complete your task or you will not be able to perform well, whatever hmm. the fears are, right? Then if you ask this person, what do you think, right? So first question, what do you think? Right? The person will go in one round. Then you say, okay, what do you think you did, right? Then why do you think you did, right? And then basically saying that what do you... What are your beliefs, right? Like, for example, finally, this child might say, doing multitasking does not reduce the level of attention I have, hmm. which might be opposite to the theory we might know. Yeah. But the ch child might have a worldview or a theory, which is something exactly opposite to what I believe. Hmm. So then the question is nothing to do about the action. It's about understanding what our beliefs are, hmm. and whether the data we have in reality negates the belief. Or adds, or adds to. Then you're, that's why this is, see, the all the seven practices are called reflective conversation practice. So it makes the conversation reflective. So then, the, you know, like I have done, uh, I can, since we are talking about my son, I remember. See, I think last time or something, um, something about, you know, when he feels stressed about exams. I think now he's in US. Last year, he was here, hmm. full year doing online, right? So, I think one day he was very stressed and then I asked him something and then I said, see, I'm not, I just told him, listen, when you get pressurized, I don't force you, I don't judge you. Mm. Uh, then he looked at me like this and then he said but uh, you look down upon me mm. he used a far better jargon because his language is better than mine he used a word which said you are in those moments when I am suffering in terms of studying or whatever you look down on me And that freezes me, so I don't talk to you about what I'm going through. Then, this is exactly what I'm saying, right? So, this is, since I inquired, he says something. Then I sat back. I didn't talk to him. I said, thank you for telling me. Let me think about it, okay? 
then i went back and reflected that i was like this from childhood i was a topper whoever did not do well ah uh, the word he used is condescending condescending yes i would be so condescending towards my classmates who were not doing well and again it's a baggage of the past and i have been thinking i am a great father who is very loving and affectionate to my son and he is saying no you are condescending to me when i am falling down right yeah so that's a good example of how from inquiry i took it back to reflection reflection and then started asking fundamental questions about where did it start hmm well, this is very powerful as well right like yeah. especially when you're talking about like diversity inclusion yeah. and in organized uh, this is powerful on a one on one relationship itself but also on a larger perspective yeah. uh, power yeah. and how power and this whole groupism and yeah. you know everything this this sort of opens your mind if you just start putting yeah. some see especially of, diversity and inclusion is uh, it's all about mental models right yeah. so for example uh, i don't know i used to do some work with gender years back with ngos right mm. so for example when you say there's an exercise we'll say okay home who's a cook okay then say woman mother woman okay or mother okay then i'll say who's the chef mother it's a man okay yeah. <laughs> answer they have to say is man or woman oh, okay. man or woman okay then i'll say okay who was the who's cleaning the house who is the housekeeping supervisor in a hotel okay so it's very interesting that we all are absolutely biased yes in many many ways right uh, it could be gender it could be race it could be color it could be religion so we can't be anything else than that okay it's perfectly fine but are we willing to see it as it exists right instead of see the uh, uh, for me practice of mental model is instead of pointing finger at somebody or something and saying the problem is out there right reversing and saying problem is inside my brain in my thinking and my mental model i think that's the key shift with mental models that actually makes you feel powerful because you can do something about your thinking you can't do anything about anybody else yeah and i think this is this is something everybody should do uh, yeah. across right yeah. like i think what you say is true because i have uh, you know lot of my clients i think even recently somebody i worked with radhika she was saying raja whatever you do all this you should do for kids yeah okay so let's look at it right if you pick up a child from first standard instead of teaching physics chemistry and maths talking about mental models to make them understand that what you believe is in your head and that makes you become who you are right yeah. i think is and it's very easy right so for example i you asked me how my son knows uh, mental models when he was young i remember when he was upset with the teacher or something happened in the school all that i'll ask him is what is the image of that child you have sorry what is What's the image the of the teacher you have he will say 
so you don't need to use the word mental model as such right you can what is the assumption what is a belief what is a image yeah how do you see you can make people talk about it yeah and it's powerful in terms of like you know bullying mm. and a whole yeah. bunch of yeah. things yeah. as well and you are right when we started you mentioned we only cater to the analytical side of the brain in schools we don't yeah. cater to yeah. the the creative side yeah. of the brain and and that adds to years and we normally go to this journey in our 30s and 40s mm. when yeah <laughs> we've right so if you see if you really look at uh, the seven learning disabilities i talked about right one of the learning disabilities enemy is out there mm. okay so what mental model does is enemy is in here mm. it is not out there anywhere else mm. that's the shift at the core yeah and i think unless otherwise see the other thing is if you look at let's say now the organization right we talk about culture change culture change culture change and that's the most difficult thing and all that kind of stuff culture is nothing but collective mental models yeah it's a power of many yeah so one person believes itself is difficult some 15000 people believe the same thing then it becomes difficult to change right yeah. so so the whole idea of understanding mental models is at a individual level as well as at a team level as well as organizational even societal right like let's take a simple example my father or like uh, let's for example 1960s right mm. most indian movies the hero was uh, poor man mm. and villain was always a crook rich person okay because at that time we were in a socialist or there was no money also right so the world view about money was that right now you go and look at the movie it is not right most movies hero is also a rich person sometimes right so so the way you, suppose i go or or my mother my mother still is alive if she says you know one paisa my father did not give for my ink to my son for whom the lowest level of currency he sees is 100 rupees right so it's a sea change in terms of culture right and money and economy and the social realities have changed so our ability to not adapt to change comes because we are stuck with our mental I I have a I'm probably detouring a bit here but I'm still going to try this there are two questions here raja one is when we look at this and an organization there is a power in some scenarios and thereby there is a um, banter conflict there's also this huge we talked about bullying in school but that same thing manifests itself as passive aggressive or passive behavior yeah. and often times we don't talk about it yeah. and yet it impacts you like really badly and i don't think there is like you know 1 2% this impact would be much larger than that in an organization and we talk about culture these are some things that goes um undeterred yeah. unfixed yeah. it continues because it thrives in the whole power of the mind in a situation like that is there a way to 
advocacy, bring in advocacy inquiry as a leader yeah. to sort of bridge that gap and bring uniformity or complacency around? See, suppose if you look at uh, passive aggression as a behavior, right? Mm. It's one of the defense mechanisms people use. So why am I passive aggressive? Because I believe I can't do anything to you. Mm. I am small, mm. right? So, so if you look at a passive aggressive behavior in that situation, if I am passive aggressive, I have certain mental models about me first. I am cert have a mental model about the other person mm. to whom I am being passively aggressive. So I'm right? sort of defending myself in that. Then I also have a mental model about the system and its fairness. Mm. For example, if it is an extremely hierarchical organization, chance of passive aggression is far higher, right? If it is a decently non-hierarchical organization, it might come back as a straight aggression. You did this to me, I don't like you, right? Probably they feel safer in that space. So the whole thing about this behavior would mean three levels of mental models, right? One, what do I think about myself? What do I think about the other person? And then what do I think about the system? And many a times if you really look at uh, actually in large organizations, people many a time start living what is called culture of learned helplessness and powerlessness. Mm. So when I say learned helplessness, they have accepted it as true. So for example, they will say, I am I am nothing big here. Okay. So which means you are accepting you have no power. Okay. And then the joke is everybody you ask a problem, they'll say management should fix it. At every level they point something called management. I don't know where the board will point. Okay. <laughs> they may point God. So that is something that essentially any system can create right system is powerful the second is helplessness right they will say you are a consultant you're outsider you can propose change we can't change so people start believing that they are powerless and they're helpless in a system and especially the behavior what you talked about of uh, any passive aggression comes from i can do nothing about it mm. Only thing is I can sit back and ensure you are finished with my silence, right? Yeah. But then you're saying if I apply this model, it could be in a team, it could be in my leadership itself, or it could be, of course, on an individual basis. That's when you're actually opening the doors mm -hmm. for a dialogue yeah. and sort of bridging this gap to create that trust. Because culture is all about trust and... Yeah bringing everybody together and having a voice and you're giving that space that means as leaders it's very important to go through this yeah. to be able to enable a culture of that right so let's take the same example mm. let's say you are my boss mm. and you are seeing that something happened in the meeting one week back after that i'm being passive aggressive right? mm. you have observed mm. okay? and passive 
then would you have courage to come and sit with me and mm. say hey listen i want to have a conversation this event happened this is what i did after this i am seeing all this happening is it true mm. right and then actually inquiring into what are the mental models you have about yourself what are the mental models you have about me what are the mental models you have about our system is what inquiry is all about, right yeah. and once i understand that probably see the problem with many managers is no no it's not true right but for you it is true right yeah. <laughs> so first is to understand you are behaving because of that world view mm. after that the question would be what can i do to change that mental model mm. without talking mm. right by, by through action mm. is when then you are able to be a leader who is sensitive compassionate and inclusive yeah, yeah. Right? so but it's tough because like you said uh, when i inquire about oh, what did i do that hurt you lords of things may come which might make me feel ugly as a manager right yeah. so yeah so those are the realities it's like holding a mirror yeah right yeah so did we cover all we, we covered yeah. the seven so we have not covered respect so first is like i said the first is observing hmm. next is reflecting next is suspending next is advocacy next inquiry. is inquiry yeah. the last two are listening mm. and respecting yeah listening is an art no yeah huh it is see for example i'm going through something this year as a certification called time to think okay mm. so it's a it's a crazy okay? time to think or how do we create thinking environment for people mm. okay this is it's beautiful but such a simple question so one of the things it talks about is uninterrupted attention okay which means suppose we do one of the there is a method called thinking pair okay so suppose i say you have 5 minutes in that 5 minutes i will not i will ask one question and give you 100% undivided attention okay but the key in this is uh i think uh, there in that model there is a statement in one of the books it says interruption is the violence in a conversation yeah that summarizes listening but then you would interrupt to ask questions because when you are listening you either listen to the whole thing and then you, that means you have to sort of make notes and then have that conversation or while the conversation is going on you're so involved in the conversation you want to run at the same pace and so you're going to interrupt to ask questions what kind of interruption are you referring to so can i allow you to at least speak for 5 minutes or 3 minutes okay 3 minutes can i say can we agree to 3 minute turns hmm. or 5 minute turns hmm. right hmm. but the problem is in most organizations forget organization even at home right <laughs> you have not even finished the first sentence and i have started my sentence right yeah. starting to defend myself yeah. or i'm starting to tell how you're wrong yeah without even knowing what you have going to say yeah so that way see for example now uh, yeah listening is another area by itself for example 
today there are enough theories which say the most important leadership skill is listening skill skill the most yeah i think it's a life skill so but yeah. the thing is see for example when you went to school right mm. you got uh, or i went to school also we got award as a best speaker best listener we mm. never had a best listener award right so we don't know what is listening so <laughs> true so and then in india that i i think we call up talk about this argumentative indian and things like that and i just want to tell you something you use the word which i think is very important for me all this helps you to have dialogue mm-hmm. but what we have most of the time today is Sorry. debate is debate True. so so dialogue is i am listening to you with the willingness to understand your assumptions and suspend my assumptions mm. and you putting on an inquiry hat and yeah. not an enquiry hat so whereas debate is very clearly it is like a ping pong right so yeah. i am saying i will prove it to you i know better than you yeah but here in a dialogue we, we are saying we don't know who is better who is not better we are willing to create something together by listening and dialogue yeah. so that's the biggest shift Absolutely. apart from the skill of working with mental model the conversations can become very different yeah yeah and today if you really look at i don't know we dialogue don't is a dead conversational form even at home, home no, no marriages friendships yeah actually social media yeah then you look at the tv right it's only debate yeah. and today the worst is in the recent times because of the way the world is going you are supposed to take posts hmm. if you don't take a position like for example i remember i'm not saying what it is about somebody asked me about something about indian political situation so i said i don't have a opinion this seems to whatever they are doing this seems to be beautiful this seems to be something that i am not comfortable with the person said no 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 tell me whether you like them or not hmm. okay so i think uh, more and more in some sense that is seeping into every unit of the society right yeah. Yeah. and then i i i'm not too much into social media people say you have to have a opinion and you have to call somebody names otherwise you are not going to become famous so but here what we are saying is can we be empathetic and understand that you can be different from me and it's perfectly fine it's fine that's and what then, and, that's what inclusion is all about right yeah so, and then evolve through that yeah. right because you learn from different perspectives yeah. as well yeah i think there's one more no you said that's after all. listening respecting <laughs> <laughs> so treating the other with the dignity they deserve yeah so like for example this is something um, there are times i get upset with my maid or a driver then i sit back and say they are human beings right have they given them the dignity that they are human beings okay and i remember when my father was alive those days when we were in the shop he will say we have the power to because we had a 
retail ration shop okay so he will say we have the power to deny them food hmm and i remember when they didn't have money or anything he will give it saying okay they will give it back to me or whatever so i remember once i was so upset he said because somebody has not paid money for some time and, and that day he came fully drunk to the shop so he said that person can be a drunkard or a womanizer but that person is human and we have no right to deny the food yeah so in some sense do we really respect people for who they are who they are Mm. Hi everybody I hope you've been liking the conversation so far with Raja on mental model I just popped in here to let you know that the next 5 minutes the quality of sound drops because we had a power cut in the studio and so we had to take the direct feed from the camera um apologies for the drop in quality but uh, I also hope you like this conversation hope to see you in our future conversations as well Mm, goes back to children also like right we treat them like yeah you don't know yeah. so i am in the authority to tell yeah. you whereas those are evolving minds it's already the stage 3 stage 4 of their life wow this will make the video full dark no but the key what you're saying for me and you know what you said about the trigger for me is right the fundamental issue is again this is related to listening right it's okay not to know right like today from childhood right and in companies you should know the answer if you don't know you are going to be punished or you are going to be ranked as the last person or you are going to be called an idiot but i will listen if i come from a perspective that i don't know right so yeah what you say is very true because from childhood even to them we don't give the joy of enjoying not knowing yeah. you take that up very fast yeah. i i could relate to this because i i've jumped these roles right and you always start with of course you have a baggage that you're carrying and that's very the unlearning is a really difficult part of it but then you're getting into a new space of completely clean slate and i see that is where i've seen a lot of assumptions being made and disrespect in the tone the way conversations happen and i feel that's where the change has to happen you have to accommodate different uh, perspectives you have to respect raja thank you so much i hope uh, you enjoyed this conversation yeah. as much yeah. as i did yeah so what i want to tell you is that uh, every time uh, i have discovered you know what i call as pearls of wisdom model it goes like a tube light because of people who my even in the session suddenly somebody will ask a question and this is a question i have never thought about yeah. and then you get so i think this session was beautiful because i think it kind of pushed me to think about things and also do it in a shorter span because i don't do speeches i do sessions workshops right so so it was interesting to go through so i'd love to see how um, i've learned a lot and i think it's a very important concept of that everybody should understand and across 
organizations, even kids, I yeah. think really need to go through this. I was talking to my daughter yesterday saying I'm going to have this conversation about mental models. And I was explaining to her like, you know, she she hates French. And <laughs> I asked her, so this is exactly a call. Explain to me how you see your French teacher. And she had this really Longest. canvas. It was like a beautiful canvas of, you know, a dark literature coming out of it. And then I could see that, oh wow, it starts that young itself, right? Like some of these things that we very casually say, oh, it's okay, you'll drop it. So you automatically think you're very careless as a person. So, yeah. But thank you so much, Raja. First of all, it was a long drive. Uh, thank you for coming here. Thank you.